Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 97. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the greatest American jiu-jitsu competitor of all time, the fourth-degree black belt, Rafael Lovato. Rafael is an IBJJF black belt world champion, gi and ogi, and currently he is the Bellator middleweight champion of the world. He is also the full-time owner, operator, and head instructor of the Lovato's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Mixed Martial Arts Academy. It was a great interview and the longest podcast to date. Rafael shared his early days of traveling around the world to train and to compete and the early days of running the business. My takeaway from the interview came when I noticed a significant pattern in his journey that inspired me to title this episode, Invest in Yourself. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic of investing in yourself. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Rafael Lovato Jr. Rafael is a fourth-degree black belt under Salo Ribeiro. Rafael is considered the greatest American Jiu-Jitsu competitor of all time. In 2007, he became the second American to win a gold medal at the IBJJF World Championships. He is also the first American to win gold at the Pan Ams and European Championships. Also in 2007, he won the Brazilian Nationals Black Belt Super Heavy Division, becoming the first non-Brazilian to win the Brasileiro and the Adult Black Belt Division. He's the first person to ever win the, the Grand Slam, win all four major IBJJF tournaments in the same year, Euros, Pans, Brasileiro, and Worlds. He's a three-time Black Belt Nogi World Champion. Adding to this incredible list of accomplishments, is the fact that Rafael is undefeated in MMA, having a record of 10-0, and is the Bellator middleweight champion of the world. He's a full-time owner, operator, and head instructor of Lovato's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Mixed Martial Arts, which is one of the top schools in the country. He's very passionate about sharing his Jiu-Jitsu knowledge through his online training site, helping those who do not have access to high-level instructor, just as he did. The Lovato Jiu-Jitsu Association is one of the most successful associations in the United States and has produced world-class medalists at all belt levels. Rafael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gustavo. It's great to be here. Man, that was a long introduction, and I was cutting, <laughs> I was cutting things. We were like, man, we're going to go here for like three pages and just start saying that I'm so stoked to have you here. We've been trying to get this interview. You're, you're supposed to be like my first one. And with uh, 
you're busy, I'm busy, and all, all kinds of things. You, you're fighting and running your business. And now what matters is we're doing this right now. But tell us, we're recording this in April of 2020, the madness of the coronavirus happening, because some people might be listening to this in five years from now. And I was saying like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I remember that. So how, how's the dynamic right now mm -hmm. in your life? Well, first off, that's why my hair, my beard, everything is, is long and just like caveman style uh, because of the quarantine. Um, you know, uh, I'm very, very thankful that I have an amazing group of students. Um, we are really coming together in an amazing way, uh, very united. And, um, and you know, the, the hit hasn't been that hard um, for me. Uh, we're you know, staying strong and I'm um, trying to serve my students in other avenues, been um, doing live online classes and filming a bunch of content for them, asking questions, diving really deep into different topics that they have questions about. And it's given me an opportunity to connect with them um, even, even deeper and even, you know, more individual, believe it or not, um, because I'm not in a classroom, you know, trying to uh, satisfy the whole mass of everybody. I'm, I'm getting a lot of individual questions and giving exactly what that person wants and needs um, and just knocking that out, you know, kind of all day long. And uh, so far, so good. I mean, uh, business-wise, we're doing okay. Um, of course, I miss training. I miss the dynamic. I miss the energy exchange. And um, I'm also an active competitor still these days. And I had some uh, competitions lined up and a bunch of seminars and, um, you know, tra travel plans that had to get canceled. So that was tough. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to stay as active as I can with some home workouts and little things I can do at the academy. Um, and uh, fortunately, the weather is getting nice now. So doing some walks and just trying to keep moving and breathing and, and just, you know, staying as positive as possible. Right on. So for people who don't know much about your history. Can you tell us how martial arts came into your life? Yeah, well, you know, I, I basically um, just grew up in martial arts. I, I don't remember the the time that I first had, you know, an experience with martial arts um, because my father is a lifetime martial artist. He basically had me moving and, and learning and training um, ever since I could walk, ever since I can move. And, uh, and so I'm so, you know, blessed to have grown up into the martial arts and really have had that um, in my life, my whole life. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had a special journey together. Uh, he is, uh, well, when I was a child, he was um, very much uh, locked into the JKD system, the Jeet Kune Do system. Um, following Bruce Lee's footsteps. And uh, he spent a lot of time with Richard Bustillo and Danny Inosano, um, two of the, the greatest martial artists that I think ever existed. Um, and uh, I grew up training under them. And then, uh, you know, on that journey of constantly searching for, um, you know, the, the best martial arts in the world and the ability to combine it into the ultimate self-defense system, he discovered Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, in the early nineties. And, uh, that was all she wrote. You know, he fell in love with it. My dad, uh, believe it or not is a smaller guy. He's much smaller than me. And, uh, and so, you know, around that time he was like 145, 150 pounds. And, 
um, he really gravitated to the the you know the the physics of jujitsu, the technique, the leverage, um, and he fell in love with it, and he just dedicated everything to um, you know seeking out world class Brazilian jiu jitsu instruction and bringing that home here to Oklahoma, um, you know, for for our community and for for his school that he had at the time. And uh, I mean, that was it, you know, um, he uh, was traveling all over the all over the country. And as I got a little older, it became easier for him to send me um, to, to travel so he could stay home and focus on the business. So by the time I was you know, 15, 16 years old, I was traveling all around the country to California. Uh, I was in, went to Florida for the Pan Ams at that time. And then I made my first trip to Brazil in 1999 when I was 16 years old um, to compete in the world championships. Um, and, you know, that was kind of been the story of my life is just traveling all around the world to, to learn, compete, you know, train. Um, and, uh, you know, fast forward and we became the first American father and son Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belts. And, and uh, you already mentioned a lot of my competition results. So um, it's been uh, quite the journey for sure. Absolutely. Now, you've been practicing a lot of different styles, but how do you feel jujitsu relates to life? Oh, man. Well, there's so many different ways. Um, you know, and it's just, it's so beautiful because um, even to this day, there's different moments where I, I have like, um, a realization of, of whatever I was going through in, in martial arts or my training was to, to help me with something in life, you know? Um, I mean, take for instance, what we're going through right now, you know, um, uh, definitely you, 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 uh, you experience so many ups and downs and hardships, um, in jujitsu itself. I mean, it's, it's a, a problem solving art. You know, there's so many different things getting thrown at you, um, uh, in a match or, or day-to-day -day training, um, you know, where you have to make decisions quickly. Um, you have to deal with bad decisions, you know, and you get put in tough positions and learn, learning how to stay positive and breathe and, and, um, you know, um, find your way through, um, different, uh, uh, tough spots, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and that's just, day to day, but then you look at it as a whole, you know, the journey that you go on from, a, you know, a brand new white belt on into, you know, eight, 10, 12 years later, getting your black belt, you're going to go through so many ups and downs. It's never, it's never just a smooth journey. You know, um, there's, uh, there's a lot of hardships. You're going to get injured. You're going to have um, moments where you feel like things aren't clicking. You get frustrated. You, you know, negativity can sometimes take over and, uh, and you just really have to, um, you know, apply a lot of different um, little things that you learn in jujitsu to help you get through the big journey of, uh, of, of your black belt journey and just life in general. You know, not comparing yourself to others, um, staying positive, um, learning how to, um, you know, deal with, with temporary failures, understand that it is just a temporary failure and, and learn from it, you know, collect the data and ask the right questions. I mean, it can go on and on and on. Um, but uh, one of the main things for me is just understanding that jujitsu is, is a lifelong exploration. You're never going to stop learning. You're never going to stop growing. There's never a point where it's like, okay, I got it. You know, I'm good. And, um, and just 
having that forever white belt mentality um, is uh, is something you can just you can learn from everybody and um, and you know there's never never a point where you're gonna just say okay I got it you know um, you can it doesn't matter if you're a multiple degree black belt you can still learn something from that purple belt over there you know um, it, it just you never stop growing basically is uh, is how I would sum it up. So since you start martial arts very young and, and eventually discovered jiu-jitsu, but do you remember, it's kind of tough for you to say, but a moment that you realize, you know what, I think this is what I'm going to do for a living. Do you, do you even realize that, but it's so organic because you've been doing for, for so long since I was a kid, mm -hmm. but there is a moment that you realize that, okay, that this is going to be my profession. Um, well, I, I, uh, I mean, there are so many different moments, um, that, uh, that I had like a, a uh, kind of a, a realization, I guess you could say. Um, one of the first big moments for me was uh, in 2000 at the Mundials. I was still competing in the juvenile division and uh, I, had a, I had a great tournament that weekend. Um, I had eight matches in the juvenile division, uh, left with two medals. I reached the absolute finals for the juveniles. I didn't get a gold, but but I did well and I beat a lot of guys that would eventually become um, some of the best of my generation. And, uh, and so I was, I was feeling like, you know what, I, I can go a long way with this. You know, I had my first little bit of like of confidence and, and um, you know, being able to, to travel to Brazil, a kid from Oklahoma, being able to go to Brazil and compete with the teenagers who had access to all these um, top black belts and, and uh, basically live jujitsu, you know, even more than me and, and um, you know, be that, be that successful. I was like, okay, I think I can go somewhere with this. And then that same year is when BJ Penn, you know, your former, your former teammate um, or still your teammate, uh, he, he won the, the Worlds that year and he became the first, you know, American, the first gringo to, to win the Worlds. And I watched him do it and I was like, man, you know what, that's going to be, the thing that I do, you know, that's, I'm going to be the next one. I'm going to go all the way. That's that it was calling me. It was like, um, you know, I want to be on that list with him. Um, and, um, and so that was a very powerful moment for me. And I, I knew that, okay, at that moment, it's like becoming an American black belt world champion was, was a life goal. It was, it was set in, in stone in my head. Like that is going to happen. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a few years later when I'm graduating high school and uh, going to college, you know, my father, he was very much, um, you know, he, of course, every parent, I believe, wants something better for their children. And uh, he had gone through a lot of hardships um, running and operating a martial arts school at that time. It was a much different um, landscape then, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu was not well known. The popularity of mixed martial arts hadn't happened yet. Um, and so it was still like kind of underground and everyone's perception of martial arts was immediately karate, taekwondo still, um, you know, the UFC hadn't become what it was yet, uh, today. And, um, and so, you know, he, he, he was living his passion, but, um, financially it wasn't it wasn't anything special you know and uh and so for me he wanted me to go to college he wanted me to become 
you know, some sort of professional, like a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, like something like that, where, uh, you know, I could make good money and really just not have to deal with, with, you know, owning and running a martial arts school. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm going to college trying to make my parents happy and make them proud. Um, but at this time I'm, I'm like a, a seasoned brown belt, almost becoming black, ready for a black belt. And, uh, and, you know, I'm right there to, um, you know, knocking on the door of, of wanting to achieve this, this dream, you know, almost at, a, at the black belt level. And, um, you know, I, I am not enjoying school one bit. Um, all I wanted to do was train and just live and breathe jujitsu and competitions. And I mean, I, I, it was my passion. And, uh, and I really knew that at that point, um, I, you know, I had to go all in, like, I couldn't look back and wonder what if. Um, and so, you know, I basically just had to sit my parents down and had that tough conversation it was like, you know, I, I, I got to do this. Um, you, you love martial arts the same way I do. You know how I feel. School will always be there. You know, worst case scenario, I can always go back to school. But right now, I don't, I don't want to look back. I have my, my health. My, I'm young. You know, I'm an athlete. And I got to go all in. And uh, he was very understanding of it. Um, and he, he agreed. And so um, I uh, dropped out of school and just went all in. I, that same year, I moved to Brazil and actually stayed there for four months. Um, and that's right when I first started training with uh, Salo and Shanji Hibeto. And it just changed the trajectory for me um, completely. And, um, um, you know, a couple years later, I was, I had, you know, the, the most amazing year of my career up to that point. Um, and so that, that was definitely a, a part of the, you know, the, the turning point. Um, but deep down, I, I always knew I was going to live martial arts forever. Uh, like I, I knew that, that that was going to be something I did for the rest of my life. Maybe I didn't quite understand how I would be financially successful through that because back then, you know, jujitsu, there wasn't a lot of money in it. And, uh, the, the worlds were still in Brazil. It hadn't moved to the U S yet. All the, the, uh, breakthroughs of jujitsu as a sport and, and a professional, the opportunities to, to, to be a professional competitor weren't there yet, but I just knew that I believed in it and I believed in myself and, uh, and I had to go all in and, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate that everything worked out. And now, you know, mixed martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu is, is arguably the, the biggest sport in the world, uh, our fastest growing biggest sport in the world. Um, uh, and I get to do what I love and, and travel and, and impact um, lives. And, and that's it. Yeah, this is something that maybe you have a lot of new practitioners that are listening to the podcast. And a few things that you said that they don't realize is that back then it wasn't like, oh, I'm doing a seminar every weekend. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. there's not such a thing or even branding, you know, your, your name and merchandise and online courses. And man, when I look back, like, you know, it's inc <clears throat> incredible what you're able to do with such a resource. Yeah, I never imagined it would be like what it was today. I mean, you remember the days when when winning 500 bucks, 1000 bucks was huge and you probably had to you had to beat two or three world champions to make that happen, you know? It was 
like there really wasn't any money in it. And in, in the, in those beginning years of, uh, of my black belt career, you know, I was just charging everything on a credit card to, to fly and, and, uh, go compete and learn and train. And, uh, you know, it definitely had some scary moments where it's like, oh, man, is this, is this going to work out? Like not just competitively, but, but financially, like at some point, am I going to have to go back to school? You know, am I going to have to, uh, do what my father wanted me to do? Or, you know, am I going to have to go to MMA, like kind of forcefully, like in order just to, to pay the bills? Um, and I, at that time I didn't want to, you know, I, I felt, I felt something that, that I needed to, um, really kind of represent the U S and non-Brazilians, um, in the jujitsu scene. I didn't want to do like, like what BJ did and win once and then immediately go to MMA. You know, I wanted to, to win multiple times and really just, um, kind of be, a uh, an inspiration to, to everyone outside of Brazil that, Hey, you can get good at this and you can, you can be on that level. Um, no matter where you're from, you know, as a kid from Oklahoma, I felt a response to that. And, uh, and so I was staying in, in the sport longer and I, I didn't have the hunger to go to MMA yet. And, um, and definitely was like, man, all right, how is this going to, going to become, um, you know, financially successful for me? Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you, eventually I learned about business more, um, and, uh, you know, kind of, that's, I guess, almost another story. And I'm sure you're going to get into that, but, um, you know, th there's always those, what ifs, you know, or those questions, you know, uh, the risks. And I, I just believe that you, at some point you have to go all in and just trust the process. Yeah. What moment since you start competing became a professional competitor, jujitsu competitor young, and what moment you start to get more involved with the business part of the academy when it started to kind of transfer so balance at first you're just competing okay i'm out there and then at one point there's a switch to start focusing a little bit more in business and how old are you when when that shift happened well the shift um was very abrupt and uh, a really tough moment because it basically happened um in 2009 my father, he had a heart attack and he actually had his heart attack inside our academy. And, um, I was, it was right after the Pan Am. So it was a weekend of the 2009 Pan Ams, um, that Monday morning when I'm just coming home. So it was the day after. And, uh, he was actually, I'm sorry, it was Tuesday morning. I had just got home Monday night and it was Tuesday morning. Um, so he was, uh, doing a private lesson and, um, it was like a semi private and the, the second guy that was there helping him as like a, you know, a partner, um, was, uh, a, uh, a paramedic and my dad started, he didn't sleep well the night before he was feeling sick. He almost didn't even go, but then he went and he started the lesson. He wasn't feeling good. He said, man, I got to, I got to sit down in my office for a second. Um, and he told the, the paramedic what, you know, what he was feeling. And the guy immediately recon, recognized his symptoms and said, Hey, we need to get to the hospital right now. Um, and fortunately, um, at that time there was a hospital right around the corner from our school. And, uh, and he went there and as soon as he, like, right as he was pulling up, like it, it went, it turned into a full blown heart attack. Um, 
And so, you know, it was uh, uh, very unexpected. I mean, the night before that Monday night, he was training. He, he, he got like four or five rounds in and he was, um, you know, still so young, um, just, you know, barely in his 50s. Um, and so it was a huge shock. And I had just gotten home from, from the Pan Ams and I was just like, you know, trying to process everything. Um, I was 25 years old at the time. And, uh, you know, so at that point, my mind was just world titles. <laughs> you know, that was, that was really it. And uh, I wasn't thinking about business just yet. Uh, I was still trying to focus on my athletic career. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, my dad, he, he survived, he pulled through, his heart actually stopped and they had to revive him and, you know, um, uh, emergency surgery, um, heavy, heavy stuff. He's in the hospital for, for, I think it was over a week and, uh, finally came home and he was basically in bed for six months, you know, it's just wow. like slow, slow process, um, to, to come out of that. And so, you know, there I was, uh, just 25 year old kid trying to, trying to win tournaments. And, uh, and it was time for me to step up for, for the family and for our school. Um, and basically I started running the Academy, um, you know, and I just talked with my dad and, um, you know, he was a one man show, uh, at that point, you know, my, my father is a very, uh, hardworking, like his, his work ethic, his discipline, is second to none. Uh, he he's always been an, an excellent um, example uh, for me to follow when it comes to just, you know, you're not going to get anything in life without blood, sweat, and tears. Anything that you want, your dreams, it can happen, it's possible, but you have to sacrifice. You have to, um, you know, be disciplined and, and give everything you have. And for him, it was almost to a fault because he was, um, uh, you know, he came from nothing and, uh, he's a proud Latino man, um, who, who, um, you know, was just, uh, someone that, that, you know, turned, uh, a very humble beginning into, okay, he created his own business. He followed his passion and he built it all on his own. Um, and so he was a one man show. I mean, he taught all the classes, basically. Um, I did some of the advanced classes to help him out, but he literally did every other class, um, you know, he answered the phones, he signed up students, he, you know, tried to do the website, even though he wasn't very um, technological, and, you know, so on and so forth. He was a, a one man show, the billing, everything. Um, and so I step up and I'm like, okay, trying to learn and understand everything that he was doing. And, uh, and, you know, 100%, that's, that was a, a big contribution to why he he got sick he was just so stressed and um you know he couldn't enjoy what he loved because he had to think about you know paying the bills and and dealing with all of the small um you know procedures and operations of the business um from answering the phone and doing the consultations and everything uh, you know, he, he, he couldn't create his own schedule. You know, he was a slave. He was a slave to his business, uh, unfortunately. Um, and that was a huge eye opener to me. It, it, like, whoa, I woke up right then and there. Like I went from 25 to, to 40 years old, just like that. Um, and I was like, my God, my, my father 
literally almost died on the mat. He literally nearly worked himself to death and he had no savings, no retirement, no, like if he, if I wasn't there, we, you know, that six months while he was recovering from the business, we might've lost the business. He might've lost everything right then and there. And I was just like, man, that's not right. That's not right. You know, he deserves, you know, all the lives that he's changed and impacted our history, everything that we've done. It's like, man, he deserves to be able to sit back and, and enjoy life and go to a beach or whatever he wants to do. And, and just be like, okay, you know, I did it. Um, and I'm successful. And, and so right then and there, I was like, uh, all right. Uh, I, I, I realized that, you know, a, I need to step up and help my family and take care of them because I don't want to lose my father. Uh, and B, I don't want that for myself. You know, I, 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 I don't want to end up like that. Um, you know, 20, 30 years down the line. And so, uh, I said, okay, it's time to, you know, it's, it's time to learn about business. And so really that first year was just trying to, to get by, you know, more or less and, uh, and keep the school alive. Um, and then at the end of that, at the end of that year, you know, my father, he started feeling better, you know, he had six to eight months and it was like December end of the year. And I had another, had to have another tough conversation with my dad and, uh, my mom was behind me fortunately. And, and it was just like, you know, 2010 is coming up and, and, uh, and he's like, okay, I'm feeling better. I want to get back in. Let's, you know, um, give me the updates and I'm ready to, to run my school again. And, uh, I'm like, dad, well, slow down, slow down. You know, I, we can't, we can't do this again. You know, um, look at your health. Like, uh, the school is fine. I, I, I've, you know, kept it alive and, you know, maybe it's time for you to just sort of make your own schedule. You know, don't, don't put everything on your shoulders. Let, let us step up. Let me step up. Let me do what I can. And, and let's do this. Let's try to do this together, but without you having to be so stressed, you know, it's not all on you. Um, and so that basically, you know, it was a really tough conversation. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's still only in his fifties and he built it from the ground up and, uh, you know, he's like, he, he didn't want to let go, you know, he didn't want to let go. And, um, uh, but basically he agreed to more or less semi-retire and, uh, and we worked out the specifics on, on, uh, you know, sort of how he would work, um, uh, as far as him making what he needs to make. And then me, you know, trying to build the school. Um, and so in 2010, I was like, all right, here we go. Uh, I have a new, a new mission. And, uh, and I just, you know, it's like martial arts. It's like, okay, when I, when I connected with Salo and Shanji, you know, um, it was like such a, uh, a breakthrough for me because I realized that I, if I'm going to become a black belt world champion, I need to be doing what black belt world champions are doing. You know, I need to, to hear from them about what it takes, the mindset, how to train, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so, uh, in 2010, I started hitting my first, my first business seminars, uh, marketing, uh, martial arts school owner stuff. And, uh, and I just started investing and, and going outside to, to learn and grow. And I immediately was, 
blown away with uh, how how much there is to it more than just teaching class. You know, uh, at that point, it was just like, okay, we have good jujitsu. I teach good classes. You know, everyone should be knocking on our door, you know, uh, more or less. Um, and, you know, we had, we had something like, obviously my dad had worked really hard to get it to a place where um, we could survive, but it was, you know, we were, we were basically, somewhere from like the students were paying anything from like 60 to like $99 a month for unlimited classes. You know what I mean? Um, that's where we were when I took over and we had just under a hundred students, um, on that, uh, that sort of system. Um, and so I started learning and learning about marketing, online marketing, you know, uh, keywords and all these things. Um, and uh, I, I just really learned what marketing was and how it worked. Um, and then I, I just learned about, you know, the systems of the business. And uh, inside of that, I also learned what our value was, you know, and that it was okay to, you know, be able to not just get by or make a living, but, but create an empire, you know, that was okay. Like, uh, and, and like I said, my motivation was to take care of my family, um, and make sure that I didn't go down that same road. And so, uh, I had a lot of, a lot of tough realization moments, a lot of internal things that I had to overcome and, um, and, you know, sort of kind of have breakthroughs, you know, um, but, uh, we started growing and things started happening. Um, and, uh, you know, it took, 10, like it's been 10 years now since that time. Um, but we, we expanded the school two different times, uh, where I took over the units, um, next to us. And, um, once I got that second unit, that was huge because then we had two mat rooms. I could run simultaneous classes, um, building a staff, instructor training, you know, learning sales processes, um, all the systems and things like that. Um, you know, it, I mean, it took 10 years <laughs> to get to where I am today. And literally just a, a month ago, a little over a month ago, um, we had our grand opening for my, my dream academy, um, 10,000 square feet. Um, I have over 300 students now, over 20 association schools. And, uh, and I have this beautiful school. Unfortunately, it's empty and the doors <laughs> are closed, but, but, um, you know, it, it took a long time, a lot of just, you know, moments, 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 learning, growing, growing pains. Um, but uh, like I said, for me, it all came down to just that moment of, of going to the hospital to see my dad and just be like, oh, man, he doesn't deserve this, you know, and I don't want that for myself. Got it. Now, since you so let's say 10 years that you're uh, kind of start to get involved, heavily involved with the business. What did you say some of the struggles that you you went through right at the beginning? Because I said a lot of information that you didn't know. Like I said, like, hey, mm -hmm. I teach classes with good quality. We expect people to walk in the door. And that's something that a lot of Brazilians realize that they move to the U.S. Be like, wait a minute, I have a bunch of titles. I should have a bunch of students. And I'm like, wow, it ain't like that. There's a lot more things involved. So what are some of the struggles that you 
went through. Not, uh, and this is not just because we have a lot of people who are listening. Yes, we do have a lot of school owners, but have all kinds of different um, businesses and people in transition as well. But what are some of the struggles that you remember in the beginning? Man, there was a lot. There was a lot. Um, man, where do I start? I mean, some of them I kind of mentioned. Um, you know, I, I guess one of the first things was, you know, we were still charging $99 a month. You know, that's what my dad charged, $99 a month. Everything's unlimited. Um, you know, and right off the bat, I was learning that, hey, it, it's it's not only okay to charge more, but in many ways, it's better, you know. Um, you you need to understand your value um and you get a different clientele um you know so on and so forth many things about it but it was a, a hard a hard thing for me a hard mountain for me to climb to, to get to the point where i could see my own value and the value of of what we're doing with you know martial arts helping to make people better you know, uh, help them become better versions of themselves. And, uh, and with more, you can do more, you know, if, if, if you make more, you can have a nicer facility, you can have staff, you can help other people live their dreams. I mean, I could sponsor competitors, you know, guys, I, I had the ability to then take someone that could uh, benefit from a scholarship or, or free tuition. I'd have the ability to do that if we're making more money. Um, and so, uh, you know, and that was something that, that my father being very old school and not, not, uh, really seeing that value or just, oh no, it, it needs to be this. It needs to be that, you know, uh, it caused, it caused some arguments and things and, and, uh, you know, and then there's also of course growing pains and understanding that not everyone around you is going to be on the same page. You know, yeah. you might have break, you might have breakthroughs. Um, where you get to a certain point and not everyone's going to have those breakthroughs with you. And as you're climbing that mountain, you know, you're going to have different ropes attached to you and you're trying to bring everyone with you. But, you know, early on, right off the bat, I realized that um, not everyone was going to be with me and, uh, and I was going to have to cut some ropes or maybe they were going to detach the ropes themselves. And, um, you know, there was definitely a lot of growing pains, a lot of struggles where, people that I thought were, you know, people that were very close to me. And I thought that were kind of like ride or dies with me. Um, they weren't. And, uh, and it's just part of the, part of the growing pains, um, and getting to, you know, the next level and, and things like that. And, um, you know, and at, at the, at those times when that was happening, especially I'm still a kid, you know, 25, 26 years old, 27 years old in these first couple of years. Um, Every time something like that happened, it hit me hard, it hit me real hard. And I would question everything, you know, and, and when you hear someone say, oh, he's just all about the money, you know, and you're like, dude, my dad almost died on the mats, you know, and it's like, don't you, you know, but some people just don't understand oh, yeah. it. They're not, they're not there with you. And, uh, and so, you know, just coming to the point where it's like, you, you got to have tunnel vision, you know, you got to have tunnel vision believe in yourself, believe in, in knowing that what you're doing is for the right reasons. Um, and, uh, you know, of course I, I have so much passion for, for martial arts and for teaching martial arts, um, that that really, 
you know, if, if it was a business that I didn't have 100% passion and belief in and, and, and wasn't, uh, you know, living it myself, um, maybe I wouldn't have been able to make those tough decisions and, and, uh, and take those steps that I, that I needed to take. But, uh, but you know, it, it's always a process, you know what I mean? And, and there's always going to be temporary failures, you know, uh, that's another thing through martial arts. It's like, you know, I, I was never a, a black, like I became a black belt world champion, but I was never a world champion at the lower belts. And so, you know, I wasn't like a lot of the guys today, these kids that come up and they just, they're winning everything. Yeah. yeah they, all they do is win. You know, they're a world champion at every belt. Maybe they lose a couple matches their whole career before black belt. I mean, there is no doubt in their mind that they're going to become a black belt world champion one day. Um, you know, I knew I wanted that and I believed in that, but I definitely had a lot of doubts. I had a lot of doubts because I, I lost, I lost a lot. Um, but I, I wasn't scared to keep losing, to keep trying, to keep going. Um, and eventually, you know, I got into a place where I got more confident and I could see, I could see it happening. And once we started having little breakthroughs of success and, um, I started to be able to hire staff and bring people on board and, um, you know, just, just grow. And, and, you know, once we had added the second space that helped us get to 200 students, um, and I, I could start to see it, you know, and so every like failures, uh, you know, don't let them break you, right. They're, they're temporary. Um, and it's part of the process. It's part of learning. Um, and then, you know, learning to also kind of like, um, you know, take your wins, like, like smile, be proud of yourself and then kind of enjoy it and then go to the next one. You know, it's like, um, you win a big event. It's okay. You get a good win and you feel good about yourself. And then that helps you get stronger and more confident for the next big win. And, and I started to see that and, uh, and you know, things started happening, man. I think a, a word so far in an interview that stood out to me in your career as a competitor, then in business is the word investment. And then you said, I start to invest and uh, learning more seminars and stuff. And you invest, invested in your competition career. You travel, put in a credit card. And I feel that this is one thing that hold a lot of entrepreneurs back. They feel like, I don't want to spend the money. Like, wait, 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 wait. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you need to invest. And one thing that Tim Ferriss said that is really cool, there's nothing more profitable than investing in yourself and your knowledge. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and not only, and here's the thing to invest and there's another word right after, and execute what you're learning. Because how many people you know that go to seminars have been sitting there with you and they're like, awesome information, great. I'm not going to do anything about it, but like, hey, I got, I invested and I got the knowledge. So it's get the knowledge and execute on that. So what do you say for some entrepreneurs who are kind of a little skeptical about investing in sometimes? For our thing, I mentioned to people say like, man, I'm broke. Invest your time. There's so much in free information online. You can improve with that. And, and anyway, so what did you say for some of the entrepreneurs that are a, real, a little skeptical about investing themselves in their, in their business? Oh, man. Well, um, you know, like I said, kind of 
before you, you got to take risks and you know there's there's um I, I think you know you're going to get to it as far as like um some of my favorite books or whatnot, uh, you know, one of the most powerful books in my life has been think and grow rich. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, there's one thing he says in there, um, that I, I, you know, and I apply a lot of that book, of course, to life, but, but in the beginning, the book for me was more about jujitsu and, and winning competitions and, uh, just, you know, checking off my goals, which were at the time, basically all, um, competition related. Um, but, um, uh, you know, you're only as strong as your own self-confidence is, is one of those things that, that really stuck out to me. Um, you know, you, if you think you can, you can, if you think you can't, you can't, um, you won't. And, uh, and, you know, at, for my jiu-jitsu career, once I started getting some of those wins, um, it gave me more confidence, um, to, you know, to, to get the next win. I believed in myself more and I started, okay, it's possible, you know, for me, it, it makes total sense that in 2007, I was able to grand slam. I didn't expect it. I didn't plan on it. It all happened sort of by accident, but it, it was basically just like that. It was like the Europeans gave me some confidence uh, and, and helped me see, okay, I can win the Pan Ams. And then when I won the Pan Ams, I was like, you know, I'm going to go to Brazil. I want to go back to Brazil and, and win the Brasileiro. Uh, I never won it before any of the lower belts. And I won the Brasileiro. And then when I won the Brasileiro, I was like, man, I just beat some of the best guys in the world. I can win the worlds. You know, I, I really think I can win the worlds. And so, you know, for me, uh, on the business side of things, you know, when I first started going to these events, you know, paying a thousand dollars for a weekend or a one day thing was tough, was tough. Um, but then I was like, man, I was paying a thousand dollars to go, you know, go to California, get a hotel between flight hotel and staying a few days and competing, you know, it was basically a thousand dollars every, every pop. Um, and it's like, okay, it's, this is the same thing, you know, spend that thousand dollars, learn, um, try to apply it. And, and, you know, I was very skeptical at first, but I, I could see that every time I invested, I would learn something I could apply to my business. And I like, it, it would pay me back. It would definitely pay me back. Um, you know, and I had the confidence to take that risk, you know, uh, and when you see a little bit of a return and you start to believe in yourself, okay, I can make that happen. I can turn that thousand into 5,000 or something, you know what I mean? Um, then you get more confident to do more. Um, and, and, and then it just becomes like, like, it's just the formula, you know, it's just the formula. It, there's nothing else to it. It's not even, you're going to have to do it, you know? Um, but, uh, but have the confidence in yourself. And, and the other thing, you know, going back to what you said, as far as executing, Another thing that I had to, to, to discover was just delegating. Like I couldn't put it all on yes. my plate. You know, I could not put it all on my plate because this whole time I'm still competing, you know, later on down the line, I get into MMA and, and I'm in fight camps and I'm dealing with the, the pressure of getting into the cage and getting inside the cage with someone, um, you know, and so I, I'm a full-time athlete at the same time I'm a full-time business owner and not to mention, you know, seminars and association and products and uh, all the other things I, was, I had on my plate. Um, but, um, 
you know, for me, delegating was, was so important. And, and, uh, that was another area where I made a lot of mistakes. I would, I would have good people and, and people that I trusted that, that, uh, were, were, were down, but I didn't always place them in the right place. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I, I got this guy. He, you know, like because I trust them, it's like, okay, he can do this, but maybe that's not what he's best at. You know, I need to put him over here. This is what he's good at or what she's good at. Um, and so not just delegating, but understanding how to delegate according to their strengths and what they enjoy doing and, uh, and you know, giving the, the right thing to the right person um, was, was huge. And that was another thing I made mistakes on. And then it caused problems because I was like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing better? But in reality, it's my fault because they're not made to do that. That's not in their in their capacity, you know? Uh, and so uh, it's my fault, you know, it's not their fault. Um, but, uh, you know, having a plan to execute involved delegating, what am I going to do and what am I going to have them do and how can I check on it? And, and you don't have to learn everything yourself. You don't have to do it all yourself. You just have to find the people that will, you know, and in the end that gave me an opportunity to, to create more jobs, you know, um, my little, like competition guy that wants to compete. All right. I can sponsor your, your registrations. If you do some posts, you know, you do this, you do that, you know, you like to be on online, you're good at the computer, you know? And so I could give more jobs and, and create more opportunities for people by delegating. And that's all I had to focus on was just delegate um, and, and not having to do it all myself. And, and in, in the end, I think it's important that you do do what you're best at as well. You know, you might have to, learn about something it doesn't mean you have to do it every day you know um so uh you know like you, you just got to do it start small and work your way up um and but at the same time you have to surround yourself with the most successful people in your in your uh your niche um you know surround yourself with the the the, the people that are are passionate and living their passion that, that, that gave everything, um, to live life on their terms. Uh, you know, that's what an entrepreneur is. And you just got to seek out, uh, those, those black belt world champions that are inside your, you know, your, your market, your niche and, uh, and learn from them and just be around them. And it's going to rub off on you. It's, it, it 100% will rub off on you and it'll give you the confidence because they're going to tell you that they did it. They, they took those risks, they invested in themselves. And so it's the blueprint and you just, you got to follow the steps. Um, but you're never, you're never going to achieve anything great inside your comfort zone. And so taking that risk is getting out of your comfort zone and it puts the pressure on you that you need, you know, you need that pressure. If you're not all in, you know, then don't complain about not getting those all in results. Yep. And one thing that you mentioned, I have mentioned in a few episodes before for all the hardcore listeners who have listened to 97 episodes, so I don't feel like I'm a sound like a broken record, but I have mentioned some of the concepts of books and so forth that I read. And one of them, uh, it was exactly what you said. Uh, there's a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Great, uh, great business book. And he talked about, because uh, you mentioned about putting people in the right place and so forth. It's something that... Um, I have struggled to, I think most people until got to go through a few lessons to get this right. And he talks about 
I think that was my main takeaway from the book, but he talks about the vision of the bus. So you got to imagine like you, um, your school and for all the listeners, if you listen, just imagine your business being a bus, whatever type of bus it is. And in front of the bus, there's a sign and the sign is basically the direction. Where are you trying to go? The vision of, of the bus. Now, in order, and the way he say is like, even before this bus start moving, three things need to happen. The right people need to be on the bus. The second thing is the right people need to be sitting on the right seat. It's like in football, you have a great quarterback and you put him to be alignment. Like, dude, you should be in a team, you know what I mean? But you're in the wrong spot. And the third one, that's the toughest one, is if a person... Is that if the passenger is not aligned with the vision of the bus, he must leave the bus. And that is rough because, like, like I said, you know, you've been training. It's someone that you're close to, it's a cool kid, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be aligned with the vision. And that is, especially for people who have jujitsu businesses, they know exactly what we're talking about mm-hmm. with the school, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the hardest parts, too, because you're probably, you know, using people that are in your inner circle that are like your friends, you know, um, and you have a relationship with, and, and that's where a lot of those hardships can, can come in. Um, you know, it's tough. It's just, it's tough. (laughs) Yeah. Just got to deal with it. Uh, and another thing that are now just kind of leaning a little bit to the MMA because, I've seen, been following your journey and another moment that you invested in yourself, you invested in your MMA, you're traveling to Brazil, going to like the the best places in the world to to fight. And in the beginning, you're not getting big pace, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the beginning of your MMA. So now another point in your life that you invested in your career and how was uh did you realize that you're doing that okay it's time to invest again and start going after the knowledge yeah um you know a lot of that was just kind of me um needing to fulfill my i don't know uh something that my life of martial arts i felt the calling like how can I be a, a, a true martial artist if I, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, I compete, I love to compete. I need to know what it, what it feels like to be in that cage and, and put myself to the ulti- ultimate test, the ultimate challenge um, as a martial artist, as a, as a human being, just to know how to react. Because, you know, the truth is I've never, I've never been in a real life altercation at any point in my life. The only, the only fights I've ever had are the 10 professional fights on my record, you know? And so, uh, and that's just part of jujitsu, you know, keeping you calm and you're, you know, you're, you're able to, to breathe and stay out of those situations. You don't feel the aggressiveness or, or anything like that to, you know, to, to prove yourself or, or whatever. Um, and so I had never been in a, in a fight before and uh, like watching the early UFCs as a kid um, and being inspired by so many amazing fighters and martial artists um, from a young age, uh, I just knew that at some point I had to do that. I had to know what that felt like. And I also believed that my life of training, because there was me before jujitsu, you know, learning martial arts 100% only for self-defense, um, you know, to, to protect myself and, and, and live the beauty of martial arts. Um, and even when we first started learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, 
we didn't know about the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We didn't know about tournaments and competitions uh, in, that were happening in, in Brazil at that time. I had no idea about those. All I knew is that uh, in order to have a complete martial arts, you know, self-defense system, I needed to know how to defend myself on the ground because we understood at that time that, you know, you're going to clinch and, and more than likely you're going to end up on the ground. You need to know what to do. Um, and that's what it was all about was, was just that it was about, you know, uh, there was no, no, oh, I want to be a world champion or, or winning medals or anything like that. It was just for a fight. And so I felt like I was sort of groomed uh, in my life of training and learning martial arts to, to put it all to the test, put my whole, you know, my whole life's work together and go inside the cage and, uh, and, you know, express myself and, uh, and feel that. I didn't know if I would like it or not at, at first um, because it wasn't really my scene. Uh, you know, the, the like trash talking and the kind of the arrogance or whatever, of a lot of the fighters, it wasn't attractive to me, but, um, you know, I knew I had to do it. And, and as I got into it, I could see how it brought all my favorite people together. Uh, you know, all my coaches, all my teachers. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I started to fall in love with it and, and I just, okay, I set a new goal, um, to, to try to become an MMA world champion. And I, and I, I didn't even start this until I was already in my thirties. Um, and so, uh, once again, it was one of those things where, um, you know, you don't know if it's going to be possible. Um, but I knew that I had to, to go all in and, um, and I knew I had the right people in place. Um, you know, my, my Muay Thai and MMA coach, uh, Mauricio Amado, he's, he's a first generation shoe box black belt under Rafael Cordero. Um, and his link to his brother, Dita, um, who has a, a team, Evolu Santai, in Curitiba, Brazil. Um, and the people, like, I, I just, I could feel, okay, I'm around the right people, you know. Um, the jiu-jitsu that I had uh, combined with this Muay Thai and MMA coaches and team um, and the way that it was bringing me back to Brazil. Again, it was like, man, this is destiny. I was going to Brazil as a kid to learn jiu-jitsu and and go all in on jiu-jitsu. Now I'm going back to Brazil in a different city, now Curitiba, hmm. um, to, to study Muay Thai and MMA. Uh, and I'm training with Vanderlei and, you know, uh, just learning so much. I was a white belt again. You know, I, 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 I had that new hunger and that feeling of, of youth um, come inside of me because I was learning something new all over again. I had new goals, new, you know, jujitsu wasn't doing that for me anymore because I was fighting the same guys, the same tournaments, uh, you know, all those things that was kind of getting a little stale. And I had some, some performances where I just, I wasn't a hundred percent inspired. I was a little complacent. I wasn't like, I wasn't at my best and MMA started bringing out the best of me again. And it gave me another, another cycle, uh, of, of growth. Um, and it became a lot of fun. Um, and you know, the truth is, yes, you're right. I wasn't, I mean, I started off in the smaller show in legacy, um, you know, which is a good show, but you know, you're not getting paid big money. Uh, but when you do something for all the right reasons, you know, like I've never did anything in my life that was like, this is for money. You know what I mean? It's always been about 
living what I love, living my passion, uh, trying to help people, you know, um, teach people, change their lives, make a positive impact, all those sort of things. You know, competition is all about challenging myself, leading by example. And, you know, how can I, if I have a guy that wants to, to fight, you know, one day, how can I really teach him and tell him what it's like and help him become the best fighter he can be if I haven't experienced it myself, you know? And so it's like, man, uh, let, it's the scariest thing in the world for me to do. I need to do that. I need to do it. I got to do it. Um, and so it was all about just the challenge, getting out of my comfort zone and trying to grow as a martial artist. And I fell in love with it. And, uh, um, when it's not about money or anything else, and, and you really are in love with the process, um, special things happen. And, uh, and that's what happened. And, and we, you know, my team is the same people that have been with me for decade plus. Um, and we just, we went on a really special run um, to, to winning that legacy title and then going into a big show and then winning the big show, you know, the Bellator title. Um, and, and I had, I had the moment that I was hoping, you know, I, I wanted when I first started MMA and going through it, you know, I was thinking in my mind, like, man, am I going to end up having that, that Rocky style fight one day, you know, where, where I really have to dig deep, where, where, you know, shit hits the fan, you know, how am I going to react, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, you never know when it's going to happen. It could have been your first fight. It could be whatever. You don't know when, um, but it was destiny that it happened on the biggest fight of my life against uh, one of the greatest of all time. Um, and I rose to the occasion. And, uh, and those sort of moments are, are priceless. You know, that's worth more than anything else in my life and something that I'll carry with me forever. Um, and that's what it's all about. And one thing, because you mentioned thinking grow rich earlier, and I feel that anything meaningful that you want, that you're going to that you want to accomplish in your life, from everything you said, from jujitsu, from your academy, from uh, getting to MMA, the book starts saying that anyone that has ever accomplished anything meaningful and big started with a burning desire. That's yes. the beginning of the book. Yes. You know, if you don't have that burning desire. To go through all the bumps and bruises going to happen along the way, it, you might end up getting frustrated. So uh, it's incredible to see this burning desire you know, along the way in different moments, different topics. And, and I know that at some point, uh, I'm positive that at one point, even if you, you start like moving away from, from MMA, uh, you're kind of shifting your focus from MMA, you're going to find something else that you're going to feel that burning desire because it's, it's already like ingrained in your brain of like, you know, it's just so natural to be, and that's, and that's mostly martial arts. People don't get in because they want to get rich, right? It's, uh, mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's great that I, I, I can see that you still have that burning desire. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a hundred percent right. I'm a, you know, that's the starting point of everything. Um, you know, my dad, it, it's crazy. Like there's so many different times, you know, especially in my MMA career when it put, you know, the first phase of my life, my martial arts life training under my father, um, and the, the JKD, um, system and, and the instructors, Richard Bastillo, Danny Asano. Um, and then the second phase of my life, the jujitsu phase of my life, um, 
you know, with Hibeto Jiu-Jitsu, Saul and Shanji, that whole uh, era. And then I had this third phase that involved Kudachiba, I had the Lusan Thai, you know, Muay Thai, MMA. Um, and going that MMA route, it, 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 was, it was not just that, but it took everything together. And I had all these, I've had all these uh, moments on my MMA path um, where, I, like, I could realize how, you know, what I went through years ago was, was prepping me for this, Absolutely. you know, um, and it, it all came together. And my dad was, uh, you know, he, he was a, a very tough father, you know, tough love, uh, really hard on me. And he expected me to do my best and everything because that's what it deserved. And, um, and when I first started competing and, and he was, you know, really like my, my teacher, my coach and training me and everything. Um, you know, one of the things that you used to always say to me is how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Uh, you know, and, and that's it. Like if you don't want it so bad that it, it, it doesn't bring out like that emotion that, that, um, you know, that overwhelming, like, man, if it doesn't bring you to tears, just thinking about you achieving that goal, um, then you don't want it bad enough. And, and there's someone out there that does want it that bad. That's going to take that spot. You know, you, you feel it on a tournament on, on the competitions, you know, if you're not a hundred percent there, if you're not in the zone focused, you have, you have a lackluster performance and you can lose to someone that isn't as good as you, but they wanted it more than you, you know? And I believe that for uh, a lot of my success came because, yeah, I, you know, one of the mental shifts that Saul helped me make was, was um, taking my, my journey coming from Oklahoma, you know, these things that I could look at early on and be like, man, how am I going to, how am I going to beat this Brazilian kid? I'm from Oklahoma. I don't have a black belt teaching me every day. You know what I mean? I, 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 I'm just, I'm just this American kid, like whatever. I'm not that good. Like you can kind of uh, create your, your narrative and, and make it negative. Um, and, and Saul helped me turn my negative into something that gave me strength. It's like, yeah, I'm from Oklahoma and I'm still going to beat you. You know, I work that much harder. I have to sacrifice more because I have to travel. I have to, you know, I have to run up my credit card or whatever I'm doing, you know, um, you know, and that's my strength. That's going to be my strength, not my weakness, because I want it that much more. It's not the harder it is, the better it is, you know, um, the, you know, that, that only makes you stronger. And so uh, 100%, like, you have to feel like, man, you would do anything and everything. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you know how it is, like the grind of, of training camps and competitions uh, in so many ways that, you know, it, it's a shift in being able to apply that in business, um, especially when you can get comfortable, right? You get a little comfortable um, to stay hungry, but, but I mean, that's the key to life. I mean, a hundred percent, like, uh, the very first thing is what is inside you. How bad do you want, how bad do you want to make a change? How bad do you want to grow? What are you willing to do for that? Um, and then you got to see it. You got to believe it. You got to feel it every day. Um, you know, and, and you just go, you know, I had that Bellator belt 
I had it on all my screens, my desktop, my laptop, my, my iPhone. I had a printed up belt, um, you know, a picture of the belt that I printed up um, in my training bag. I, I made a video about that last year, right before the fight. It was like, look at this picture, you know, and it's all sweaty and it's, you can barely make out what it is um, because of the, yeah, just the wear and tear. But uh, so this has been in my bag, you know, for three years. It's the day I signed to Bellator, I printed this up and I put it in my bag. And I saw it every day when I opened up my, my training bag to get into my gear. I saw that belt, you know, I said, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm headed. This is what I'm doing it for. Um, and, you know, uh, you don't know, like, you never know if you're going to win that fight. But, but you know, you're going to give everything to make it, you know, to, to give your best shot. And uh, wherever you land, you know, that's, that was your best. And, uh, and so, yeah. Cool. Well, I love the advice because I was going to ask you about advice that you received. And I love the one you mentioned about Saulo because, and that's the great part of being surrounded by positive people because it's easy to get in that victim mentality. Poor me, I'm here in the middle of nowhere and stuff like that. So that's incredible to be able to have the help because I've been stuck on that, by the way, in the past uh, when I was in a small school in Brazil, like, wow, you know, all those guys are big teams, you know. So anyway, um, I totally understand that. Now, what did you say advice that maybe you got in MMA? Man, it's hard. Hard to I, – I don't know if I could really um, take something that could be applied to business or whatever, but um, – For fighting, really for your knowledge as a martial artist and how to even control a fight or we're not, yeah, any, any – one of the things that, that really stood out to me, um, how it was almost the opposite of, of jujitsu. So jujitsu in camp, you know, six weeks before or whatever, before the worlds, uh, you know, you can have fun day by day. Of course, you're going to have your tough training days, but when it's a tough, when it's a tough jujitsu, um, you know, you're, you're, okay, maybe your, your, your ego or whatever, you're hurting a little bit on the inside, but, but you're still able to, to walk away and like, uh, I don't know. I, I find it, I found it easier to stay positive during camp in jujitsu, right? I'm having fun, you know, worst thing, I get my guard pass, maybe I get tapped here and there, whatever, right? Uh, but then the day of a jujitsu event, I would feel a lot more, uh, nerves uh, or anxiety just because I'm playing out so many different situations in my head. Like, okay, this round, I'm going to have this guy. And then uh, my next fight could be this guy or it could be that guy. He plays this game. He plays that game. You know, I'm going to have to pull or I'm going to play on top. Uh, where am I going to score my points? Who's the referee going to be <laughs> like, you know, too many things. Like there's too many variables, you know, um, uh, in mixed martial arts, I was surprised to see the opposite, um, you know, especially in the beginning camps were were pretty terrible. Uh, it, it wasn't so much fun because, you know, it was very scary, uh, obviously, like, um, you know, uh, I'm not one of those guys that they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, I love to fight. OK, yes, I love the experience of fighting, but it doesn't mean it's not it's not scary uh, at all. Um, you know, the thought of getting knocked out or, or getting bloodied up in front of your, your friends and family or having some, I mean, it's so raw. It's so, 
you're so vulnerable, so vulnerable um, for, for the masses to see you in that, in that state. Um, and, and so uh, in a camp leading up to a fight, man, I would be a, uh, a bit of a wreck. Like I wasn't that fun to be around. Um, you know, a bad day of training in MMA and I, in my head, I'm like, shit, man, if that happens in the fight, if I react that way, if I get hit like that, if I don't do the right thing, I'm going to get knocked out in front of everybody. And, and, you know, it's going to go viral and everyone's going to see, and they're going to be like, Oh, he's, you know, the, the fans are very unforgiving, uh, in, in MMA, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so you start thinking about the worst all the time and it, it's, it's much harder to stay positive day in, day out. Now I got better at that over time, uh, when I could, you know, understand it and, and, and just, it, it also made me remember like, man, there's no perfect day of training. You know, there is no such thing as a perfect day of training. And, um, you know, as a, a world champion black belt, you know, it became hard for me to, 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 to get beat up in training, like bottom line, like, you know, uh, I, I could train with many, many great black belts and never get tapped, you know, or it would be just such a rare thing. Maybe, you know, it just, it didn't happen that much anymore. You have to line up my students and have them start in bad positions and do all these things in order to get pushed. And then there I am in this whole new sport and man, everyone is giving me a hard time. You know what I mean? Like everything was, was new and it was scary. Um, but then I was surprised to see that on the day of the day of the fight backstage, you know, getting ready to walk out and everything, I was surprisingly calm, um, much more calm than what I would be if it was jujitsu. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that was something that, you know, that, that I, I learned to sort of hone in on, uh, over the years, becoming more in tune with, with your whys, you know, why am I here? Who am I? You know, and that's one reason why I'm very happy, uh, that I didn't get into MMA in my twenties. I waited until it was my thirties when I'm more mature. I have more competition experience under my belt, even though it was a different sport, it was still competition at the highest level. And it helped me understand how to perform. And, uh, and just like I said, who I was, what I was capable of, I, I had the right people around me. You know, these are now people that have been with me since my early twenties, you know, 10 plus years. And I can look around and say, these people give me strength. These are the right ones to be in my corner. They're my brothers. My father would be, in, he was in my corner for all my fights, you know, my, my father, you know, um, and it helped me like, it helped me do it right, you know, the, from the very beginning. Um, and so I could sit backstage and see them and look back on my whole journey and just be like, you know, I was made for this. I was made for this. Um, uh, I, I've done everything I was supposed to do. You know, I was disciplined. I did my 10 week camp and I was, I did everything right, you know, sacrifice. And I said, you know what? In jujitsu, I could go out there and you can play it out so many different ways in your head. Uh, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He might stall. He might not stall. You know, whatever. 
we might go out of bounds. Is the referee going to make the right call? Is it going to be a decision? You know, there's all these different variables. When you get locked in a cage, there's nothing else to think about but do or die. You know, it's going it, to, you just have to believe in your instincts. You have to trust your instincts, trust your training. And, and what's going to happen is, what, is what's going to happen. You know, of course, I have a strategy, but I, I can't overplay it, you know. And so I don't overthink it in my head when it comes to MMA. Um, you know, I just, I just go, you know, you just go. And the tunnel vision of MMA is incredible. Um, I think you've had a, a, a couple fights before in your life. Um, you know, in jiu-jitsu, you can be very aware of what's happening around you hear this person you, you know you're looking at the referee in mma it's like like <laughs> it's just me and that guy and that's it and uh um uh, you know I, I i i figured out even better how to transform you know another thing that solo taught me on the for for competition you know you can't be your normal you you know the normal you that has doubts that can, that can be, you know, a nice kind giving, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, your normal you, um, you know, you have to learn how to transform into your superhuman version of you. The one that has no doubts, the one that will not hesitate, the one that will go for the kill when he feels it, the one that doesn't break, the one that doesn't overthink, you know, the one that trusts every movement that you make. Um, and, you know, sometimes in jujitsu, I felt like I would kind of overthink things. Um, and yeah, you know, you, you, you play too much of the chess game instead of just pohada, you know, just go. And in MMA, it brought that out of me. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I never, like I said, never been in a fight. I never think about hurting anybody. Um, even, when I sign the contract and I know I'm going to fight somebody, I don't think about, I want to hurt that person. I just think about, you know, performance and uh, being at my best. Um, and so, you know, on the day of like, I have to kind of become someone different, you know, I have to, I have to try to hurt them. Um, and that sounds bad, but um, you know, it's just transforming into a different, you have to transform. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's your normal you and then there's the you that performs. Um, and I, I could breathe better and stay calm backstage. And when I got inside that cage, I, I was, you know, um, uh, I, I developed an even better way to transform that I didn't discover fully in jujitsu. And for each fight, I got better and better and better at, um, at making that you know, that transformation, like when Clark Kent went into the, into the, mm -hmm. the tel telephone booth, you know, the, and he came out, you know, he transformed. He wasn't Clark Kent anymore. He was, boom, he was Superman. You got to be your own Superman. I don't love that. What advice would you give to your younger version? Let's say 10 years ago, not that you want anything different, of course, but after this 10 years that running the school and being more involved with the business, if you could go back 10 years ago and talk with the younger Rafael and say like, Hey, let me give you a tip here real quick. What that would be. Well, uh, I guess I would say something more about competition, um, to myself. I would tell myself not to compete as much, um, only do 
what I was most inspired to do. Um, that's what, what MMA taught me, um, you know, like how to be at my best every time, um, how to, you know, have a camp and, uh, you know, really have a focused mission. Sometimes in jujitsu, I was just, I was competing at, at many events all the time just because I, all right, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm in shape. Why not? Um, but I wasn't always a hundred percent inspired and, and I would have some lackluster performances here and there. Um, and I, I would have a lot on my plate, you know, I was, I was running the school and, and doing a lot of things. And I would, I would jump into some events that, that really didn't, it didn't do anything for me, um, for my career. Uh, you know, I was like, I was already established. And so I was doing them because it was fun, but at the same time, maybe, uh, you know, I wasn't really that inspired for it. And I just felt like I, I should, or I have to, I have to, um, and I would, I would have toned that down uh, a bit, you know, and, uh, and only try to focus on the major events or, or super fights or things like that, that I, I was really a hundred percent inspired for and not put pressure on myself to do it just because my students are doing it or, or, you it's know, expected from you. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause like I said, I learned through MMA, you know, I, a, a typical jujitsu camp would maybe be four, six weeks at the most, you know, six weeks is kind of like for the worlds or ADCC. I'd have a six week camp MMA. I'm having eight to 10 week camps, you know, uh, even almost 12 week camps. And, uh, and I was I, like, you know, for MMA, you have to do so much, you know, you got to wrestle, you got to do Muay Thai, sparring, conditioning, you know, grappling, like there's so many things. Um, and it, you know, then recovery, all these things that I learned, you know, for a fight, like I'm not leaving any stone unturned because I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt, you know? Um, and going back to jujitsu, I could see that maybe I could have made my camps even better. I could have made my camps better. I could have did, um, you know, I had a, a little bit of a better routine and, um, you know, try to give myself more time with that focus instead of you know, sometimes you compete so often, you don't even end up with a camp. You don't have a camp, you know? Uh, I just competed a month ago and, uh, you know, I, I took a few days off to recover from that. Uh, I trained, you know, two to three weeks and then it's the week of again, you know? Um, and so maybe I shouldn't have did that event and had just a full eight week camp for a jujitsu event. Um, I don't know, you know, things like that. I think, I think, uh, you know, over time I learned that it's not, it's not even, of course, there's getting physically better, technically better, mentally better, but there's also just making your routine better, you know, dialing in your routine um, day to day. And MMA really, I really discovered how to dial in my routine. Of course, now I'm in my 30s and you have all the other experience um, to get me to that point. But um, I, 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 in many ways, I wish I would have done a little less and mm -hmm. dialed in my routine better. Yeah, one thing that I learned in my in my personal experience is that competition is like an itch. You know, it's itchy, scratch it. If it's not, just leave it alone. And sometimes you want to try to 
scratch something that is not each you're like eh, i really want to compete but eh, might as well just do yeah. it and again the desire if the burning desire is not there exactly you might end up not having the performance that you want exactly yeah so um what did you say it's a book that you read that made an impact on you you talk about uh thinking grow rich any other book that stand out that you can recommend oh man um there's a lot I like, um, you know, outliers is a good one. Um, mm -hmm. talent is overrated. Um, uh, failing forward. Um, the obstacle is the way, um, yeah. Uh, those, those are some good, some more recent ones that I've checked out. Um, I, I love the ones that, uh, you know, I can, cause for me, everything's a fight, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, uh, everything is, is kind of martial arts first. And then, and then, I don't know, it sounds weird martial arts first and then life second, but uh, that's just how I've been raised, you know? And, and so I see it, I see that first and then, and then it, it, it transitions into my life. And so, um, I have to, it has to resonate with me and those things like obstacle is the way and failing forward. You know, I, I can look at, my, my martial arts life and say that, yeah, there's the proof, you know, that's what happened with me think with think and grow rich. I actually discovered that book completely by accident. Um, I had just had my 2007 year and lucky gi was going to make my own, uh, signature gi. And I knew that I wanted to put a quote in the gi, um, something motivating, you know, inspirational. And so I was looking up all these quotes and, um, and I saw this quote from, from Napoleon Hill that said, victory is always possible for the person that refuses to stop fighting. And that just really hit me because it was like, man, all the times I had lost, you know, I had lost and lost and lost and lost. I was never a world champion at the earlier belts. And then I became a black belt world champion that year. And so I, I, I told, you know, Scotty from on the mat, I know, you know, Scotty, you remember Scotty. Um, I said, man, that's, that's the quote that I want to use. And Scotty was like, oh, Napoleon Hill. He's one of my favorites. I love his book, Think and Grow Rich. And I was like, oh, this guy has a book. And I was like, hmm, I kind of sat on that for a little while. And then, uh, and then another person said, oh, yeah, I love his book, Think and Grow Rich. Um, now it was 2008. And, uh, and so I was like, man, I, I got this guy's quote in my gi. I need to read the book. And so hmm. I got his book and I read it on the plane on my way to a, a tournament, I believe, or, or a training or something like that. And, uh, and man, it just like, whoa, like... I could, I could see a lot of things that I was doing right already. It made more sense to me. It was clear. And then I could see the other things that I was still missing that I needed to, to, uh, to work on. And, uh, and so, yeah. Um, you know, for me, it was all martial arts first. And then I kind of ex expanded beyond that, uh, with thinking grow rich, but that's definitely the, the ultimate for me because it had such a profound impact on me. Um, and, uh, and you know, the other ones are just, yeah, other good ones that I like to look at. Good. For all the listeners who are getting close to the end of the interview, and if you're listening for the first time, usually what I do is after the interview, I reflect on what is said, and then I create an audio from 5 to 12 minutes to inspire, impact, and improve your life in some way. So make sure that you stick around for the final thoughts. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? I know you're excited about your school, your new school, but you're not able to uh, – 
um, to do that right now. We don't know how long this madness is going to last, but uh, you're still being active online, doing your classes and everything. So what are you excited about right now? Well, um, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, uh, in this current state. Like I said, I had just did my grand opening for my new school, and less than two weeks later, we had to, to, to close down uh, with the pandemic. So, uh, you know, just another, another thing that, um, that life throws at you, but uh, I feel like, you know, martial arts prepared me for this. You know, we know how to, how to stay positive um, and see opportunity in everything. And um, this is just an opportunity to, to build that online content. You know, um, you don't always get time to do um, and put some things in place that, that I, can, I can use forever, you know. Um, and uh, there were still some things in my new school that, that we needed to get organized and um, put the finishing touches on. So it's a lot easier to work on that when it's, uh, <laughs> it's empty and we're not stressed out with the day-to-day operations. So, um, I'm just working on that and, uh, and filming a lot, trying to, you know, uh, serve my students, but then also get some things that we can use, um, uh, forever, you know, and, uh, and take it as a, you still there? Yeah. Gustav. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Cut out yeah. for a second. Um, and, and just see the opportunity that lies in it. Um, but what I'm excited about, uh, 100% is, opening the doors back up and, uh, and taking my school to the next, next level. Um, and, and filling, filling it up once again. Um, and we're in a better, a better location now, a better side of town. And I'm, I'm excited to really get into that area of the community and impact those people. I'm really focused on families. Um, you know, my goal is to, is, you know, if the, if, if the parent brings their child in to start their, their children or martial arts, um, at some point they're going to jump in and try it too. Um, and, and my goal is just to get the whole family in there. And we have many, many families, mother, father, the, the, the children all with us on the mats. Um, and, uh, and now we're in this area, uh, close to some really good schools, um, private schools. And I, I'm excited just to hit these families and, and impact them, um, and do some amazing things with my new school. Uh, I was also going to get back into some jujitsu competitions. It's been about three years since I competed in the gi, and uh, I had some gi stuff lined up right before this this hit. Um, and so, you know, I, I I feel I still feel hungry, man. Like uh, I still feel like I have more in the tank, uh, more good performances left in my career, and um, I'm going to hit some jujitsu events and and have some fun with that and. Um, you know, I'm also uh, engaged, recently engaged. And so, Congratulations, uh, man. thank you. Thank you. Very excited to, uh, to get married. And, and I think it's, it's time to start a family and, and, uh, you know, yeah, live the, the next chapter, start the next chapter. Right on, man. I want to thank you for your time. And I've been following your career for a long time. I think the first time I saw you watch and notice you competing, I think it was a blue belt and won a Jean-Jacques tournament in 2000. Yeah. I think you competed against Robert uh, yeah. Drysdale. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, a couple that. times. A couple times. We did uh, once, I think in 99 as blue belts and then once in 2000 as purple belts. Yeah. Oh, there was a purple belt because I thought yeah. it was a blue belt, the one that it did at one of Jean-Jacques tournament in yeah. California a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were purple belts on that one. 
Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, man. And I saw your growth and, and I thought it was incredible when even at the no gear, were able to do what you're doing and produce high level guys to you. I remember when you won the Nogi and Raider won uh, his division too, right? You guys yeah. both won in the same year? Same day, yeah. Uh, 2010, he was my first black belt and we won on the same day. And that was the same year. 2010 was the same year that I took over the business full-time official. Wow. Um, yeah. And that, that was a big moment for me because it was like, man, you know, I, I had some people telling me like, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, just keep focus on, on winning world titles and, and uh, it's going to be hard for you to balance both out and And, uh, you know, I went all in and, 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 uh, winning that world title that year while running the school and doing it with a student as well, yeah, was, um, incredible, was, man. was, was a big moment. Yeah, absolutely. And everything you, you accomplish, I know that you, you're recently for all the listeners, if you didn't have a chance to listen, I listened to your interview with Joe Rogan, which was awesome that you talk more, explain why, uh, you, moving away from uh, MMA at this point. And I didn't want to bring, because you already bring it up because you already talk a lot about it. So I highly recommend people want to know more about that transition in your life to check out that interview. That was awesome. And, and that's it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Gustavo. Hey man, I feel the same way. I've been watching your work um, for a long time as well. And much respect to you. You're an OG back in the days. And, uh, you know, you produced a lot of great guys that I've had my eyes on and my guys fought your guys before. And I know, um, you know, every time they got mashed up with with one of your guys, it was going to be be a, an, an all out war. And uh, so much respect to you and, and, and congrats on the success of your podcast. Sorry it took so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, hey, we made it happen and, and we exactly. had a good, good time. All right. And so thank you so much. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Thanks, brother. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the fourth degree black belt, Rafael Lovato. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Rafael is considered the greatest American jiu-jitsu competitor of all time. He is the first person ever to win the Grand Slam, win all four major IBJJF tournaments in the same year, Euros, Pan, Brasileiro, and Worlds. Rafael is undefeated in MMA, having a record of 10-0, and is the Bellator middleweight champion of the world. Rafael is the full-time owner, operator, and head instructor of Lovato's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Mixed Martial Arts Academy. It was a great interview, the longest podcast to date. Rafael shared his early days of traveling around the world to compete and to train. He also shared his struggles of stepping up for the family when his father had health issues and his burning desire to keep accepting challenges in his life. My takeaway from the interview came when I noticed a significant pattern in his journey. From the early days back in 2000, competing as a juvenile in Brazil to winning IBJJF world titles in Gi and No Gi, he got out of his comfort zone and chose to invest in his knowledge and his career. When he stepped up to run the family's business, he didn't know anything about business. He chose to go out of his comfort zone and invested in his knowledge through books, seminars, anything that could help him to become successful in business as well. In the most recent chapter of his life, he decided to become an MMA champion as well. 
with a beginner's mind attitude, again, he chose to invest in his knowledge and started traveling to Curitiba, Brazil to train at one of the most famous MMA teams in the world, the Shootbox. Shootbox has produced some of the best fighters ever, like Anderson Silva, Vanderlei Silva, Murilo Ninja, Mauricio Shogun, among others. He chose to go out of his comfort zone, and as a result, he became the Bellator middleweight world champion. The pattern is evident. When he has the burning desire to pursue a goal, he commits 100%, goes out of his comfort zone, and invests in himself, which inspired me to title this episode, Invest in Yourself. If you already have been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know that sometimes I share with you audios from incredibly successful people. And today, you're going to listen to a message from Warren Buffett on Evan Carmichael's YouTube channel. Buffett is considered one of the most successful investors in the world and has a net worth of almost $80 billion as of April of 2020, making him the fourth wealthiest person in the world. After his message, Evan shares excellent content with you on the topic of investing in yourself. Check it out. Generally speaking, investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own talents. Like nobody can take it away from you. They can run up huge deficits and the dollar can be, become worth far less. You can have all kinds of things happen. But if you've got talents yourself uh, and you've maximized your talent, uh, you've got a terrific asset. And so that doesn't mean everybody should go to college, but it, it does mean that any way you find to improve. Communication skills are enormously important. I mean, I took a Dale Carnegie course that I paid $100 for, and it was worth a college degree. Uh, at least I thought it was. <laughs> Maybe this interview will convince people otherwise. <laughs> no, not at all. What I love about this clip is you've got Warren Buffett, the single greatest investor of all time, telling you that the best investment you can ever make is in yourself. He's not saying go buy a stock, he's not saying go buy a company, not even saying go be an entrepreneur or get a job or go to university. It's in yourself. The best investment from the best investor is always gonna be in yourself and I 100% agree. If I look back on my career, you look at YouTube, since you guys are familiar with the channel, the best investment I made at the beginning was in one, learning how to do everything so that I could become a YouTuber. But then the higher that I made, Investing in my business to bring on my first editor allowed me to go from making a video a week max to a video a day. Hiring that editor part-time allowed me to seven times my output because I hated editing and I was really slow at it and I wasn't really good at it either. And it allowed me to do more of what I loved. And so investing into my business had a huge impact. If I just took that money and put it in the stock market or put it into real estate and I'm earning seven to 10% a year or 15% a year are the highest or whatever it's gonna be, it's way less compared to what I ended up creating. This entire business, I don't know how much percentage return, but it's way more than seven to 15% a year. And so that investing myself made a huge difference. I also believe in, in what I'm doing here with the YouTube channel. I believe the world's single biggest problem is untapped human potential, is that people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're locked into doing jobs that they hate, doing work that they don't love, and if they just unlocked that piece and did the thing that they had Michael Jordan level talent at, the world would be an amazing place to live in. And that's my mission. That's what I'm on every day to try to fight and make better. And I believe a huge part of that solution is education, is this. It's here you have free content to consume and get better and learn and get educated every single day. You know, if you go to university, you may not have Warren Buffett come in and speak to you. Maybe if you're lucky, he comes in for one day at a commencement speech. But here on this channel, you get Warren Buffett and, and his peers 
every single day, three times a day, giving you knowledge, giving you resources, giving you motivation, giving you inspiration, giving you ideas on how to unlock your potential and how to be successful and how to find fulfillment for yourself. And so I think if you want to live a great life, if you want to have a big impact, a huge chunk of that comes from continually investing in yourself to improve, to not be locked into the environment that you were born in and raised in and grew up in and just do the life that your parents want you to live, to be able to break free and find the thing that you love doing and have the courage, confidence, boldness to chase after that with all your heart to go off and make that huge impact in the world. I hope you enjoyed the audio, and when you have a chance, check out Evan Carmichael's channel. Do so because you'll find great content. With that said, I'm going to ask you the same question Evan asked on his channel. What is the single greatest investment in yourself that you have ever made? And most importantly, what opportunities present itself because of this investment you made? Personally, besides jiu-jitsu, an investment that popped up in my mind was learning another language, in my case, English. When I was 17 years old, I told my mom that I was interested in learning English because I was curious to know what people were saying in songs and movies. Since my mother at that moment was a corporate secretary, she knew a lot of other corporate secretaries and they were always watching each other's back and exchanging favors. Long story short, her friend got me a scholarship to study English for free, three hours per week. All I had to do was to invest my time and keep my grades up. That's it. I did this course for seven years, and because of it, you're listening to this podcast today. What skills are you committed to developing? If you notice, I never said what skills are you interested in developing. I said committed. There's a quote that says something like this. When you're interested in something, you do only when it's convenient. When you are committed, you do whatever it takes to accomplish your goal. Maybe you can say, Gustavo, I'm broke, man. I got no money to invest. If you are committed and you don't have money, invest your time. Google what you like to learn and most likely someone's offering some free content. It's a great start. That is how I started my podcast. Two years ago, I didn't know anything about it. I Googled and I found a free course on how to start a podcast on the website eofire.com. stands for Entrepreneurs on Fire. I was committed to it and three weeks later, I released my first episode and 96 episodes later, you're listening to this interview today. To wrap up, I'm going to share with you a quote from one of my favorite public speakers, Les Brown. Quote, you need to make a commitment and once you make it, then life will give you some answers. Unquote. O's. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.